Welcome to Room to Breathe, where you can inhale a spirit-filled thought that will inspire you to be at cause for positive actions and force you to exhale everything slowing you down from moving forward. When your back is up against the wall, remember to always create room to breathe. Welcome back to Room to Breathe. But we're always looking at the space in our lives between our maximized potential and our limits. We understand that breathing room could be the difference that provides the peace you need to make it another day. So here in Room to Breathe, we're trying to work on creating that space where you can just come in and take a deep breath and just pause and process what's going on in front of you before you move to action. Process where you are in your life. And hopefully it inspire the right steps. So last week we covered why does God allow bad things to happen to good people, right? And so this week we want to cover something different. However, some of the highlights from last week is there's a cycle in our lives that we have to go through. And that cycle, it starts with trials, tribulations, suffering. And then from there, it pushes us to choose to persevere, to have lasting consistency, which hopefully builds character and moves us or leads us to hope outcomes with great expectations that hopefully inspire some action, inspire some movement. So that moves to faith because faith is measured by action. It's measured by movement. So that's what we covered on last week and this week again we're moving on to something different we're moving on to favor when it seems like he's not there i'm jesse watson and i'm glad to be back with you so this week is going to be a little heavy um on up top with the way that we're going to dig through this thing and and every week you never know how we're going to come either way we hope that it's still pushing the place where you can just pause and breathe process, think about what's being said, and hopefully be in a place where you can apply what you're hearing, and, and it moves you in a good space. So again, this week, we're, we're dealing with the book of Esther, the whole book, <laughs> and I'm not going to go through reading all the verses and all that, but we're dealing with the whole book, and the question that I have to start with us today, that triggering moment for us when we're breathing, right? How many of you have been in a situation where you felt all alone, like you were by yourself. No, no one physically could help you, at least in your mind, right? And you could call the Lord time and time again, and it just seems like he was not answering. So no matter what your situation is, no matter where you are in your life, all of that, we're talking about a time where you felt like you were all alone. Well, I have good news today, hopefully. Because even when it seems like God is not there, the truth is he actually is. He said, Lord, I'll be with you always. That's a promise that he's going to keep no matter what. I'll be there with you always. He's watching your every step. A lot of times God had to allow us to go through a process, just like we talked about last week, to see if we're ready, see if we're prepared to move to that next thing, whatever it is that he has in store. So watch this. It's just like, when you are a child and we have children and are a, just a child, period, who's first learning how to walk. You know, as a parent, you stick your arms out and you encourage your child to come to you. And if we're honest, 
as your child gets closer, we back up encouraging them to take another step, encouraging them to help them understand that they can go further than they think. Well, that's the way that the Lord encourages us. And I hope that that's the message that we get today, that sometimes you find yourself in a situation. If we learn to just hold on to him, we learn to just continue to keep pushing through, continue to keep trusting that we can most likely get further than what we think. Right. So come, let's let's take a walk in me, Esther. Now, throughout this book of Esther, God is not mentioned anywhere throughout the 10 chapters in this book. However, he is the one who opposes and destroys Satan's schemes, right? By providential intervention. God is the main one that does it. And we'll dig into it. So now Esther, which was her Persian name, it means star. And sometimes it's referred to as the star of hope. Now Hadassah was her Hebrew name. And I say we're going to be heavy, but it's a purpose. So walk with me with this. Hadassah, her Hebrew name, it means myrtle. Now, this was a sacred plant known for its pleasant aroma. And then the leaves were held by the worshipers in the synagogue doing prayer. So when you pull all that together, there's always been some level of hope. Outcomes with great expectations. There's always been some level of hope in her name. So now while the book of Ezra and Nehemiah tell the story of the Jews who returned to the land of promise, Following that, watch this, 70-year God-ordained captivity. God allowed it to happen because that was purpose in it. And that 70 years God-ordained captivity, Esther, the book of Esther chronicles those who chose to stay in Persia, even though Cyrus the Great permitted everyone the right to come back home to Jerusalem. Like I said, it's going to be a little heavy, but there's a purpose in it. So they had been in captivity for 70 years, right? And we're talking about Esther. We're talking about the story of Esther. They've been in captivity and they were allowed the right to go back. But there were some who chose to stay in Persia. So now the book of Esther shows us how foreign powers tried to eliminate the Jewish race and how God silently preserved his people to keep his covenant with Abraham, to lead them, guide them, give them land, the whole nine. And so now Esther went from a former prisoner in exile. So they was exiled from their home and they were a prisoner, right? She lost her mother and her father. Now she's with her cousin who has adopted her and now is treating her like his own daughter. And she went from former prisoner in exile to the queen of Persia. So you're talking about getting a major upgrade. She was upgraded. So let me give the backdrop just a little bit to still make sure we understand the point on how favor can exist even when it seems like he's not there. You're looking at Xerxes. Xerxes was the king. And he was the king over 127 provinces. He reigned from India to Ethiopia, modern day India to Ethiopia. So he's king, he's running, he's ruling everything. Now he's a ruthless king. And by the time he gets into position of being king, into authority of being king, 
there's a lot of major tension between them and the Jewish people. A lot of major tension between them. So either way, because he's a king, he has the right to kind of do what he want to do. So Xerxes decided one day, hey, we getting ready to party. And so I'm going to throw the biggest party ever, right? For all my officials and then also for my servants as well. And we're giving the best of everything. So he decided for 180 days, we're going to kick it. I mean, you're talking about party <laughs> till, you, till you drop. They partied for 180 days. I mean, partied like a rock star. Killed it for 180 days. The best of the best. The best of everything. And then after that, they decided to throw another party for seven days from the lowest to the highest of everybody that lived in the province, everybody that lived there. So you're talking about dude know how to throw a party. They kicked it for 187 days. So now watch this. According to the text, the king controls everything. And it's important here because it says he also controlled how much people drank. So however, during this time, it was like, boom, there's no limits. No hose bar, go for it. Do you, right? How many of you know that when you deviate from what has been ordained to be right, that trouble is always bound to follow? <laughs> and we get ready to see what that looks like because he cut everything out. Boom, free. Y'all go do you. We getting ready to have a good time during this season, right? So during the party, obviously Xerxes fully alleviated. He got drunk. And so he summoned Queen Vashti, his wife, but she refused to come, according to the text. Why? Because the king was trying to flouse in front of his boys. Man, my wife is beautiful and I want everybody to see it. Right. So he said, hey, yeah, go get my wife and tell her to come in here and just kind of walk just a little bit. And she was like, no, nah, I ain't doing that. I don't have to do it. I don't want to do it. I ain't doing it. <laughs> And so what happens? Everybody's already drunk. Everybody's been partying. I mean, they they on something different. So as a result of that, you know, the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. And we can't say Xerxes really had good character, but still, that means he was easily influenced, right? So what happened is his boys said to him, hey, King, look, there's no way you can allow this to happen with your wife. Right. She was disrespectful. She was disobedient. She was out of order. And if you don't do something, man, it's going to mess us up when we get home. Now, how many of you all? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure some of you all experienced that have been exposed to something similar to that, man. Don't you? You can't do that in front of us because now if you do it now. What that mean for me? Now, I got to go home and deal with something. That's essentially what his boys are saying to him. So he trying to. You know, flouse in front of his boys and got disrespected. So he listened to him. And what ends up happening? He dismissed the queen. He told Vashti, look, you ain't the queen no more. And he sent out an edict. Now, it was a period of four years before his anger towards Vashti really kind of calmed down. But he sent out an edict. He sent out a ruling to everybody, to all provinces saying, hey, I'm looking for another queen to replace Vashti. This is how upset he was behind the disrespect, right? So over that time, the king's eunuchs 
were in charge of finding, this is what the Bible says, binding the virgin girls and taking care of them. Well, why were they entrusted to the units? Because the units were castrated. So you had to worry about any indiscretions with any of the women coming in. So the units were in charge. So that gets me to my first thought. And it sounds like a sermon, but it's not. But I'm still just trying to, well, it is to a certain degree. But I'm still trying to paint a picture. Favor is waiting on you to surrender to God. And every time we talk, you know, there's some points to what it is that we're trying to make. Right. The point where you get to inhale and take in what you need. Exhale, exhale, push out what you don't need. So that's the first thought that I want you to capture. Favor is waiting on you to surrender to God. So now watch this. When we get to chapter two. When we get to chapter two, Esther obviously had been through a lot. Like I said, she lost her parents. She was in captivity. And now she's in a situation where she could have just thrown in the towel and said, you know what, forget it. I'm out. I quit. I'm done. And all of us has been in a situation where whatever it was we went through was so heavy. It felt so tough on it. It felt like it knocked the wind at you. You just didn't want to deal with anything else. And so she was in that position where she could have just quit. Normally, when we have something devastating like this happen to us, we tend to want to give up sometimes. We feel like, man, we're giving up on life. We're giving up, man, forget God. We find ourselves in that place. And we also look at it sometimes, again, as if we're in a situation by ourselves. When in actuality, just like Esther, you know, we sometimes physically have somebody to lean on that we can trust. Just sometimes we choose not to. There's there's somebody that you know that you trust telling what's going on, talking to them about where you are. That's somebody, and you know that they're going to run their mouth and go tell your business to everybody, right? There's somebody in your life, but sometimes we choose not to even talk to or lean on them. Why? Because we either feel like we're a burden, right? We don't feel like talking through or talking about it at all, or we really just don't want to hear the truth that we know is going to come out of their mouth. So either way, a lot of times we find ourselves in that situation. So now when we get a little further in, you know, again, like we said, the king put the edict out. So it simply means that he put out the word to everybody. And if you can imagine everybody getting their daughter ready, everybody want their daughter to go and meet the king, everybody. So they're doing everything they can. The Bible says that Esther too was taken to the king's palace. So despite her situation, despite what she was going through, what she was feeling, it says she too was given an opportunity to go. And the text doesn't clearly say whether she actually went on her own or against her own free will. What we do know is that despite her situation, she took advantage of the opportunity. She surrendered, she acquiesced and took advantage of the opportunity. So watch this. We tend to get prideful, and the Bible said pride comes before the fall. Pride comes before destruction, right? And our ego, and I learned this a long time ago, ego is like an acronym, edging God out. Our ego gets in the way when we're going through tough times. So sometimes it clouds our vision. So we get so prideful to the point where we don't see opportunities, when it's at the door or when it passes us by. 
Thank God that he's a God of another chance. Thank God that he's a God of another chance. So the thing is, don't allow yourself to get so lost in, you know, being down and whatever it is that you're going through that you let opportunity pass you by. Don't let opportunity pass you by this time because you can't get out of your own way. Drop the pride, drop the ego and take advantage of the opportunity. Let me show you why. The text says that Esther pleased the head eunuch and obtained favor. So Esther came in, she a head turner, right? She come in and change the atmosphere. She might as well have her own theme song when she walked through the door. That's how bad Esther was. And the Bible, it talked to it, talked about her shape and the form and all that. It said that she was a bad girl. So because she didn't let pride get in her way, watch what happens. The head eunuch said, hey, we're going to immediately put you through the beauty preparations. And that was like a 12-month thing. Only took her like 10. But it was a 12-month thing on top of your allowance. And it says that we're going to give you seven choice maid servants. So now you come from being exiled, prisoner, losing your mother, your father, all that. So now you got seven people serving you. And not only that, they said, man, all of y'all going to move into the blessed the best place in the house of women. So you going from exile, choosing to stay in Persia, to now you're in the best place. You're in, you're in the top headquarters. So now nobody can but God can do that for you. However, it took Esther to surrender to God to receive the favor that was waiting on her. It took her to surrender, to receive that. So we have to make sure we put ourselves in position to receive God's favor for ourselves. We just have to choose to acquiesce. We have to choose to surrender. Now watch this. The Bible tells of the preparation of the women to see the king. One important fact to know and understand, again, is that Esther asked, hey God, that was a head unit, for his advice as to what to wear to see the king. The other women just went in and started grabbing everything. So Esther decided to seek wise counsel and she listened to that counsel. So all the other women decided, we already know what we need to do. We understand what this is about. Man, I don't need no help. I know what I need to do to get me ready. And Esther said, you know what? Forget all this stuff. Because they told them, you can have and choose whatever you want to take with you, whatever. So Esther used wisdom and said, hey, you know the king better than me. You know this situation better than me. You give me advice on what I should do. And she listened to the advice and it put her in a better situation. It's okay when your back is up against the wall. It's okay when you're down and out and you're feeling like you don't want to be a burden. It's okay to seek wise counsel. That's what this is alone. It's okay to do that. We really fall, where we really fail in this area sometimes when we don't want to hear what we don't want to hear. When we don't want to hear what we need to hear. Instead of just dying to your flesh, instead of just, you know, getting out of your own way, we rather disassociate ourselves with wise counsel. 
trying not to do what we know we should be doing. <laughs> but watch this, because of Esther's obedience, it says that she was immediately made the queen because of her obedience. I mean, just that quick. It took no time. So now watch this. When you are in his will, favor happens. When you're in his will, favor happens. So as we move further along the line in chapter two, and I'm jumping all over the place, but we're making a point. We move further along the line. Here the text starts, it says, in those days while Mordecai sat within the king's gate. Now that indicates two things for me. First, in those days, and the word sat means that Mordecai, which was Esther's cousin, didn't stay in that position forever. See, surrendering to God will put you in line for an automatic promotion if you are willing to surrender. See, with God, you can't do anything but excel, be delivered, be set aside for his glory, for his great use. Not only that, it also indicates that Mordecai, a former prisoner, right, had to have a position of importance if he is trusted to watch the king's gate. There still was something about him if he was trusted to watch the king's gate. All of us are keepers of the gate for something, for our lives, for our families, whatever the case may be. And sometimes we don't even realize that, but we're all keepers of the gate. We have the favor of the king and we deny ourselves the right to enjoy it. You can't walk around here and have the favor of the king and deny yourself the opportunity to enjoy it. Don't do that to yourselves. Again, all of us are keepers of the gate. So now what if Mordecai was out of position? He wouldn't have heard the plan because that was a plan that two eunuchs had planned to go and assassinate the king. So if he was out of position, he would have never heard the plan. And he would have never been able to be used by God. We have to make sure that whatever position that you're in, whether you like it or not, whether it feels good or not, stay in your position because you're there for a reason. God has you planted where you are right now for a specific purpose, for a specific time. Just like Mordecai, if he wasn't in place where he was supposed to be, he would have never heard the plan. So that now he can go and alert the king's men and they can go and alert the king on what was going on. Those two units were killed and they wrote down what Mordecai did in the book. Right. They wrote it down. So again, what if he wasn't in that position? How many times had God caught you out of position, but he spared you anyway? You have to think about that. Stop taking God for granted. Even though Mordecai didn't have a high ranking position with the king, he was still grateful until his change came. He was willing to be in his position until something different happened. You don't know how long you're going to be in what you're in. You don't know how long you have to go through what you're going through, but you can still have joy in the midst of it. You can still have peace in the midst of it. You can still have hope. You can still rejoice, be happy, be content in the midst of 
whatever it is. The promise here is that his change is coming, but he's not trying to rush it. And oftentimes we find ourselves in that position. So now watch this. Don't compromise in Christ. No, for those of us who are believers, man, don't compromise in that. Now we got to think about Esther. Because before we get to this point, you have to know that after Esther became the queen, Haman, the son of an Agagite, was promoted to a position above all the princes who were with him. Haman, long story, but I'm going to make it short, essentially was a descendant of the Amalekites. And if we go back to the book of Samuel, Saul was given specific instructions by God because these folks attacked the Israelites. They attacked God's people. He said, you know what, Saul, since you were the appointed, self-appointed king, this is what I want you to do. Get rid of the Amalekites and everything associated with them. Everything. Get rid of everything. And what did Saul do? He killed everybody except for Agag. And he kept Agag and some of the highest things thinking that that was going to impress God. And it didn't. He didn't fulfill what he was told to do. If Saul had done what he was supposed to do, Haman wouldn't even be alive to exist in this story. Now, Mordecai was against taking orders from Haman specifically for that reason. And he made it known every time that he got that he was Jewish because Haman obviously had an issue and his folks didn't like Jewish folks. So it is important because, again, like I said, Haman is a part of the bloodline of Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And everything that I said was supposed to happen was supposed to happen. But because it didn't, Haman now wanted revenge for what happened to his people. So without mentioning the people, Haman got the king to okay him destroying all of the Jewish people. He went in and influenced the king. Hey, every time I go outside, and this is not what he said to the king, but this is his reason behind it. Every time I go out and I walk around, everybody's bound down to me because I'm a high, I got a high position in the province, right? Except for Haman. I mean, except for Mordecai. Mordecai refused to bow down. So, Haman got so upset, he went home, talked to his wife, to his friends, his family, and they influenced him. Hey, go build something to kill Haman. I mean, kill Mordecai and the gallows. And go and talk to the king and influence him to allow you to kill all the Jews. So that's exactly what he did. So, of course, the word got back to Esther and Mordecai on what had happened. And so Mordecai said to her that if she was silent, then they would be, they would not be delivered. They, they, there's no way for them to be delivered without her speaking up, without her saying something. He went as far to say, if you don't, even your father's house will perish. So in the same breath, he said that maybe she had been made queen for such a time as this. Think about this. You are in the situation that you are in for a specific reason, and the Lord is about to reveal it to you. Now, the whole time that Esther's in this situation, Mordecai trained up when she was younger, never revealed who you are and your background and who your people are 
until the time is needed. So she didn't, he told the man, don't feel the need to go and flaunt who you are and speak out loud and I'm this and I'm that in front of these folks because it don't matter. When it's time, when it matters, have that conversation when it's time and when it matters. So as a result of her conversation with Mordecai, Esther made a decision not to compromise, even if it meant her life. She was willing to die. And so she feared the Lord more than what could potentially happen to her and refused to go against him. So instead, she moved to action. So watch this. When your back is against the wall and the enemy is in your face, man, what do you do? How do you deal with that? You don't surrender and throw in the towel, man. You come out fighting because that's who you are. That's what's in you. You come out fighting, especially if you're a child of God. You have to know that being in Christ allows you the knowledge to know how to fight. You have to use that wisdom. Esther knew that this was a spiritual battle, so she fought it in the spirit. Man's law doesn't matter to God. So you move out of the way and let the Lord fight your battles. So the difference between a coward and a hero is that the coward runs, right? So with God on your side, you don't allow anything to have power over you to the point that you decide to quit or act like you can't live life anymore. So Esther, she made a decision and she made a quick decision. But understand this, if you stand for Christ, even in the worst of times, he will stand for you all of the time. Esther shows us what it looks like. And even though it wasn't, well, even though it was against the law, right, of the land, she went to the king anyway, because the law of the land said, hey, you don't go to the king unless he summons you. And if you do, there's consequences associated with it. And so she made a special request that he and Haman meet her for a banquet. So she went to present herself before the king, even though she wasn't supposed to. He extended his scepter. That was his way of saying, okay, I accept you. Come in, come talk to me. And he was like, look, what do you want? Anything, even if it's half the kingdom, whatever you want. And her response was, hey, I'm going to put a banquet, banquet together and you and Haman come and sit with me. So before Esther had a chance to say anything, God had started working on her behalf. Watch this. The king couldn't sleep that night, right? Well, let me rephrase that. She had the banquet with the king and with Haman. And then while they were sitting there and he was drinking, the king said to her, okay, tell me what you want. She said, hey, let's have another banquet tomorrow, you, me, and Haman, and I'll tell you then what I really want. Haman went and start bragging about the fact that he had a dinner specifically just for him, the king, to his friends, families, all that type of stuff, right? Just bragging and boasting because he feeling himself big time. And so what they said was, cool, tomorrow, go and tell the king that you're ready to kill all the Jewish folks and he'll do it. So that's where we find ourselves now where the Lord is already working on their behalf. Before Esther could do anything, the king couldn't sleep that night, the night before the second banquet. So he decided to read what's called the Book of Records. How many of you know 
that the Lord will wake you up in the middle of the night to talk to you. It's happened to me so many times. And I'll be honest, sometimes I fail. I wake up out the blue like, man, why am I up? What am I doing up so early? And instead of pausing, taking the time to listen and try to hear what God was saying, it's like, man, I need about another good hour or so and turn up and go back to sleep. We've all been there before. It's up to you to wake up and listen. It's up to all of us to wake up and listen. So I says, Xerxes read and realized that his life was saved, but he never rewarded the one who saved his life. So he said to all his folks, hey, who's out there? Whoever's out there, tell them to come here. And so the providence of God, again, sets in because Haman just happened to be walking by. So the king asks Haman, hey, what should I do? What should be done for the man that the king wants to honor? And Haman, in his arrogance and, and, and being caught up in everything about him, had the audacity to look at it from perspective. Clearly, it's me that he wants to honor. And so Haman said, hey, get your best robe. Get one of the, your horses that you already rode before. Take that man, ride him through the city and have it announced that this is what happens for somebody who honors and take care and look out for the king. And so the king asked Haman, hey, at the asked him, what should he do? Haman was thinking about pulling out all the stops, right? And so what ends up happening is the king said, okay, you know what? Cool. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go and get Mordecai. I want you to put on my robe on him. I want you to put him on the horse and I want you to ride him through and just make that announcement for him. So it's crazy because what Haman is thinking is I'm going to find a way to get rid of all the Jews. I'm going to get rid of all the Jewish folks. And this is the way that it's going to happen. And God worked that thing out. Favor ain't fair. It is what it is. What the devil meant for evil, God will work it out for your good all things right work together for the good of those who love them and are called according to his purpose this gives real life here in this situation the bible also says that one must endure hardship and we know this as a good soldier for the lord jesus christ so we just have to know how to stand firm right we have to understand our position and who we are we're his chosen people so now Haman had favor because you got to realize that he was promoted above everybody. But his motives wasn't pure. And when you have impure motives, man, anything is possible. So because of that, the same gallow that he had built for Mordecai, he was hung from it. Because what happens is the second banquet, the king asks Esther what's going on. And she said, look, if it pleases the king and you really want to do what you said you want to do, Man, we have an enemy in the room. He said, who is the enemy? She said, Haman is the enemy. And so he said, okay, bet. He said, she went and revealed who she was and what he was trying to do. And the king became irate. I mean, just to the point like, okay, cool, no problem. And he had walked out. And so Esther went into another room and she was sitting on the couch and Haman had felt like he was trying to plead with her, whatever the case may be. And the king walked in. And said, you dare try this even in my presence? 
And at that point, all the king's men put that hood over Haman's head, and that pretty much told the story on where they were headed. Watch this. Don't play with God if you know that your motives aren't pure. Because this is what you would have to deal with. Don't play with them. There are several stories of people in the Bible who went against God's command and they were seriously dealt with. Now, on the other hand, Mordecai and Esther stood their ground. But look at, look at what they had to go through to get to that place. Understand this, living for Christ is the only way to live. Because as I stated before, being in his will releases favor in your life. It is just your ability to hold on and never stop believing. Esther revealed herself to the king, as well as exposing Haman. And it not only saved her life, but it saved her people's lives as well. You never know about the position that you're in, standing firm in that position and having joy, having peace in that position, being content in that position until the Lord moves. You never know whose lives it's going to affect. Is what you're going through really for you or is it to help someone else? You should always want to be an agent of change to be used for his will, for his purpose, as he pleases. There's someone somewhere, right, waiting on you to come out of whatever it is that you're going through so that you can help save their life. And neither you or them even really know it. Things that you go through, things that you do can change somebody's life in a matter of a minute. Someone on the other side of the world, you may never even meet them. Esther got a unique opportunity to have one night with the king, and it changed her life forever. It changed her family's life forever. Can you imagine being in the presence of God with a host of others, with your request, and out of everybody there, God looks at you and acknowledges that it's your turn to truly be blessed. It's your turn that he wants to use as a conduit for blessings to flow. What does that mean? You have to get in position. You have to be ready. No matter what it is that you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life, you got to be ready. I can remember a time in our lives, my wife and my son, we only had one son at the time, and we had very little money. I know last time I spoke about being homeless, and we'll, again, we'll talk about that another time. This time was well after that. We had very little money. We, we was going through it. And I didn't have a job at the time. So I was working on and off doing contract work, probably more often on. And we had no health insurance. We were facing foreclosure, repossession. I mean, and we were scraping up money just to get diapers for our then, you know, two, three-year-old son. Our situation was really bad, and it felt like, I felt like giving up. But God, I knew I couldn't give up because I didn't want to teach my son how to quit. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want my wife to think. That she fell in love with the wrong dude. 
And most importantly, how could I believe God for some things, but not for everything? How can I believe God for somebody else on somebody else's behalf and not for myself? So, honestly enough, I was sitting watching TV one day and I actually saw the story about one night with the king. That's the story. And it energized me. And I read the book of Esther for myself. And then I prayed and I fasted for three days straight with nothing but water. Because that's what Esther did in the story. So I'm just being obedient. I don't know where this is going to go. I knew that I had to let the Lord know that I was serious about pressing through it. So after the three days, after going through what I went through, one of the things that I realized was, you know, I needed to put the business that I was trying to create and do, I need to put that to the side part-time and go back to full-time work. Probably need to get all that out the way. I put in applications everywhere. And literally three weeks later, I got an opportunity to get back at the time into engineering. And after being out of work for five years, after being, well, not out of work, after being out of engineering for five years. And life has not been the same ever since. So am I saying, well, all I'm saying really is that we have to trust God, even in adversity. And the favor of God will prevail. More importantly, when we find ourselves in a situation where it seems like there's no way out, we have to find a place. We have to find time to create what we always say, create room to breathe. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And we look forward to you visiting with us and being with us on next week.